I'm ready to go. Okay. Welcome to Cortex. What is that? Is that the Mike, isn't that how we start the show every episode? One of us says welcome to Cortex. Isn't that what we do every time? I think we could only really start the show this way if this was the last episode of Cortex, because it would dovetail with the very first episode. So the kind of cold open, as we would call it, the introduction to the very first episode is me not knowing how to start the show. Right. And me not helping you at all. I, at I, all. I think I just was sitting, <laughs> sitting there like, this is his problem. <laughs> and you're just making fun of me. I've heard this clip a billion times because Why? every time I post the episode to the YouTube channel, I can never remember how oh. I format the title. Okay. It's like the pound sign, number, colon, name. That's how I usually do mm-hmm. it. But I'm always like, do I do a pound sign or do I not do that? Do I just do that? I can never remember. And every single time I right. go and check. So when I go to the YouTube page, the intro of the first episode starts playing immediately. It's the, it's the channel trailer. Yeah. Right, of course. So every time I post an episode of Cortex, I hear like the first 20 seconds of the original episode. <laughs> You're going to be really natural right now. That's what you're yeah, going to do? This is supernatural. Okay, go for it. So I know that in that episode, you're like making fun of me because I'm not sure how mm-hmm. to start the show because all of my other shows, it's like from Relay FM, this is whatever. Right. But we just start. So the yeah. idea of you now creating a welcome to Cortex, you know, this is episode 116. <laughs> great. It's like, I feel like we yeah. could only really pull that joke off if this was the final episode of the show. We always do this, Mike. You're just forgetting. You know, we do levels, okay. levels. Yeah. Then it's quiet on set. And then it's welcome to Cortex, right? Just like a real show. Quiet on set. <laughs> I'm sorry you have to listen to the first few seconds of that episode. I do intentionally rotate on my own channel whatever video is up as that channel trailer thing on YouTube. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. Like, I go to my own channel a thousand times to, to adjust things or to, to fix things or to get data from the back end or whatever. And I just, I cannot listen to the first 10 seconds of the same video all the time like at some point i just go no i can't take it (laughs) i have to change it i would assume i'm going (laughs) to your channel now i would assume it's your most recent video right now now i've I've left the q a one up for a little while i feel like the 10-year q a i feel like has a bit of a shelf life for being the top video for a bit but i'll change it at some point when i get tired of however i started that video but no it's not the most recent video your most recent video feels like a campaign some... Actually, it is a campaign. You're starting a campaign. It's a campaign for human decency. That's what it is, Mike. <laughs> so, I, I mean, my only assumption here could be that you came across some news stories about school days being canceled. I saw that this was happening in like New York or something because I, I went Googling mm. after I watched your video. Right. What's he so mad about? <laughs> I'm expecting this was a pretty quick turnaround video. Yeah. Yeah. This was not months of research. No. I've been in a low key way coming across this idea for the past few months i just seen it mentioned in a few places where like some school district had canceled snow days i think it had never quite like fully gotten into my brain but i've seen this in a few places where school districts are deciding oh distance learning is great but yeah it was new york's announcements my home state of new york committing such an atrocity deciding that yes there would be no more snow days there would instead be distance learning days and it was one of those things where i happened to read an article about it literally as i was drifting off to bed you know just like going through my reader queue of articles and things to read and fell asleep probably that was the last thing that i read and woke up furious (laughs) 
I don't know if you ever have this, but I just popped out of bed full of anger. <laughs> just immediately, like, they've canceled snow days. This is outrageous. <laughs> just went from zero to a hundred in the moments where I came conscious. And I think maybe in the space of just two hours, I wrote that script. Mm. I messaged my animator because this was on Sunday, I think. And I said, hey, I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> look, I mean, I think, again, as anyone who has listened to many hours of Cortex can probably infer Sometimes I may not be the easiest person to work with <laughs> and things can come out of nowhere. And, and this is one of those moments of, yes, like you have summed it up better than I could have. Hey, guess what? I'm angry. <laughs> like, how fast can we make a thing? And he was on board with it. So it went out the next night, I think. I think it went out mo Monday night. Wow, that's speedy. Yes, well, I, I was very much like, we're going to use all the animation tricks just to make this as fast as possible like uh -huh. just everything to get it up on screen quickly i would say like the visuals of it is kind of like from an animation perspective a cgp gray made cgp gray video would be yeah for sure but with the polish of your animation team yeah for sure yeah. and there's little tricks you can do there just having the window with snow in the background was one of the, like, yeah. we need the window with snow right so it sort of makes you feel like there's more motion than there really is yep. Yeah. I was trying to think about it. This is not the fastest creation to publication video, but I think it is the third fastest I've ever made a video. I think I think that's about right. What beats it? Well, there was that incident with the Fine Brothers years ago. Uh, yes. Yep. So mm -hmm. those two videos beat it. The only other one that also beats it is, it's up on my second channel. It's the video where I show that the towels are fake in stores. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. It's like 20 <laughs> seconds long, but I just point out this that This doesn't the... count. That doesn't no, count. Mike, that is a video. Like, it's like 100%, I, yeah, sure. I am counting that. I'm counting that as, that counts. I was out at, I was out at the store. What about live streams then? <laughs> They're like a media. No, Mike, live streams don't count at all. That's that's ridiculous. That's, live streams aren't videos. <laughs> well, what about your uh, Tesla cup holder video? Does none of, none of that? No, because the Tesla cup holder was part of the whole Tesla project. Uh, that, right. that doesn't count. <laughs> the towels are a lie. That one, right? Yeah, the towels are a lie, which I also have to count because after all of these years, after all of the things that I have made, that video is still my wife's favorite video that I've ever made. Are you being serious? I am being 100% serious. I just recorded it in the store. <laughs> um, look, we are different people, me and you, right? Like, uh -huh. we're made differently. That would greatly upset me. No, it's hilarious. It's so no, funny. See, this is what I'm saying. Like, the, But, like, if, if Adina said to me, like, oh... You remember that like twenty second clip that you put on Twitter once of you like mm -hmm. blowing raspberries at someone or something, right? Like that's my favorite thing you've ever made. That would mm -hmm. greatly upset me. There's so many hours I've worked over this content. Look, you know, as an internet creator, and this is this is the thing: everyone who makes anything has to really deeply internalize. Mm -hmm. The world does not give a shit about how many hours you spent on anything. No, no, I know that. I know that. But <laughs> no, no, my but... own wife, <laughs> no, no, right? I, had... I, I need more. But like, Mike, the fact that you wouldn't find this funny to me says you haven't really like in your soul internalized. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares, right? And guess what? If you spend 
20 seconds filming a thing in a store while you're shopping for towels and then you go post it on the internet, that could literally be the best thing that you've ever done. And if you spend years of your life tracking down information about an abandoned military weapons facility, nobody cares, right? Like it's the the number of hours you put in has nothing to do with anything. (laughs) You got to feel it in your soul. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So anyway... That is also the answer as to why I have to count that as a real video, because it's my wife's favorite video. Oh, now you've made it sweet again. (laughs) See? So, yes, the snow day counts as my third fastest real video. That's the or fourth fastest. Third fastest? Fourth fastest. That's the way I'm counting it. There were three that were faster. How did you feel about speaking French in a video? What do you mean? Were you, like, conscious of it? Were you concerned you might sound silly not like trying you know because you have a few lines of french in this video yeah do you ever get like are people going to think i sound stupid no yo soy parlez-vous francais like it's very easy you know Mm. uh no obviously i don't care at all i just plugged to have fun into google and press the little button where it says a word in french and then i just said it so no i'm not i'm not conscious of it in the slightest i mean because that's sort of just like a little joke right Uh saying the french thing the worst i ever did with languages was it's in one of the q a videos i try to speak dutch for a few sentences somebody asked about if i speak any other languages to which the answer is no but i thought it would be fun to try to answer in dutch and ended up going on one of those places like fiverr or something and hiring a few dutch people to say the sentences in dutch so i could try to repeat it yeah. And just you do a few different people because it's a little bit hard if you're just hearing one person to understand what the sounds actually are. And I spent a long time trying to get it to be phonetically good. And I was pretty pleased with myself, actually. I thought like, oh, I, I think I've done about as good of a job as someone could do trying to repeat three sentences in Dutch about how, oh, my mother speaks Dutch, but uh, I don't speak Dutch and something else is, is what I said. But uh, the Dutch people disagreed. And also mm. my own mother disagreed. <laughs> she sent me a message afterwards of like, oh boy, was that horrible to hear your american accent tried to speak dutch like you that sounded brutal (laughs) i think that was more of a a, like a little bit of a letdown i thought oh i I thought i did really well i just repeated the sounds how hard could it be and turns out phonetically trying to read lines in another language you're probably not going to be successful even if you think you've done a pretty good job because your brain is not picking up on any of the important parts right? like you just don't know where does the emphasis go you can't properly hear the different sounds so the dutch was a big fail but the french i didn't care at all i spent two seconds on google and repeated it once and i actually kind of thought it would work better for the video if i don't sound very good at french because that's sort of the meta point that is being made like nobody learns french in a school literally nobody avec l'ordinateur. oh yeah i play with the computer it's the only French line that I remember. Did you take French in school? For a couple of years, and then I did the stupid thing and then transitioned to Spanish, so I have equal zero knowledge of both languages. Right? Oh, like right. I maybe did French for three years and then Spanish for three years. It's like, that's no good. That means you learn negative amounts of languages. Yeah, that's Because you that's start terrible. mixing up French and Spanish even more because you didn't learn enough of either of them. 
Right. That was, that was a terrible idea. Why did you switch? Because I wanted to go to Spain. Mm-hmm. If you were in French class, your school trip would be to France. And if you were in Spanish class, your school trip was to Spain. Oh, okay. And I'd already been to Paris as a kid, and I wanted to go to Barcelona instead. So <laughs> I swapped language, and so went to Barcelona. Did you have a good time? At least, that, at least that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. It, it, I only really have one big memory of that trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 15 or whatever. But the, my main memory is we stopped at a like a service station mm-hmm. or whatever. It's on like a big coach. Because that's what, well, that's the other terrible thing is we drove to Spain. I don't know why they decided to do that. It took 24 hours. One of the worst. Why would it was horrible, man. That? I don't know. It was so. I guess it was a cost-saving thing, but it was terrible. Yeah, but I, I don't know how much money it could have saved. Yeah, I always see these weird deals like, oh, fly to Spain for 10 pounds. And I just, like, how could it possibly save that much more money driving? It's, it seems like that can't possibly mm-hmm. be true. Surely schools can get like a bulk discount on buying tickets maybe i don't know i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it's like it's just easier if you're dealing with 60 kids to put them on a bus than try and wrangle them through an airport uh you know what that is the answer you're correct mike that that is the actual answer the bus even though they are vastly more likely to die on a bus ride than a plane ride administratively it is much simpler and you can write up the risk assessment in a much easier way if it's on a bus you want controlled environments you don't want uncontrolled environments you're totally right that is incredibly depressing so you were on a bus for bureaucratic reasons we're on a bus stopped at a service station and everyone went into the service station or whatever and you know we were buying some snacks or whatever and i was lost out of the service station and walked out and the bus wasn't there I I can't remember where I was exactly. It was somewhere between France and Spain, right? Like we're either, you know, we're either in France or in mm-hmm. Spain at this moment. And because we're driving through, right, to get to go catch the ferry to go home. And I just have this visceral feeling of, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> right? Because what am I going to do? And I don't know why I did this. The bus was parked around the corner, so I just turned the corner and I found it. Mm-hmm. And when I got on the bus, everyone started laughing and clapping at me because they knew oh. what was going to happen to me when I walked out. I don't think they were intentionally playing a prank on me, but it was quickly realized that it was the opportunity for one. Oh, okay. Maybe this was the bus driver's idea of a funny joke that they do this. This is how they Possibly. entertain themselves. Okay, we'll park around the corner and we'll watch all the kids come out one by one and drop mm-hmm. their handful of goodies that they purchased oh it was just me because i was lost so every, I, like, the people got on the bus and they turned the corner oh. and then stopped to wait for me i think they pranked you mike i think that's what happened well i I would prefer the pranking rather than they left and then one person was like oh we forgot him you would prefer the pranking to that i prefer the pranking why because if they're pranking then they meant to do it to me if they weren't the margin of error for me actually getting left behind in a country in europe was was way too slim for my liking right you said you were somewhere between france and spain and you'd taken both language classes so you would have been fine right because i was fine i was i was (laughs) i was ready even if we were right at the border and they were speaking some kind of version of the two of them (laughs) then i would have been completely set Right, they left you in Andorra. Yo soy Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Bebo and Londres. (laughs) Um, Okay, I still don't understand how you prefer 
all of your classmates actively pranking you to just forgetting you. That seems like obviously the wrong decision, but... No, I'm fine with it. Okay. The pranking is fine to me because the pranking is still like, they're just, we're all having fun mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, like at least they have me in their minds. If they just started to drive away, uh, there was a point where everyone had forgotten about me. Okay, I see. Now you, now you have hit upon the difference, which is that yep. my target goal in school was constantly to have everyone forget about me. Just be like this invisible right. wraith. And so being left behind would feel like, aha, I'm doing it right. <laughs> you know, nobody's paying any attention and I can just do whatever I want. I'm going to live in Andorra now. <laughs> this is at the stage of my school life that we spoke about recently where I started to make more friends and cared less about school. Ah, okay. Itself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like in that area. So pranking, I guess, was a thing. Mm-hmm in that part of my life and at least that way you know i was trying to have friends then rather than focus on schoolwork mm-hmm. again why i also decided to not be good at any language class and be half good at two <laughs> well again i'll just gently suggest that even had you stuck with french for all six years your conversational abilities would be not fluent shall we say that's my, mm-hmm. that would be my expectations so don't imagine the counterfactual world where you would have learned how to speak french if you had stayed in those lessons (laughs) i always feel bad like i know i always just harp on the language lessons as totally pointless but i just i can never not poke it because it just feels to me like the like such a crystal clear perfect case of School does not do what it says it does. <laughs> it's like language is just, no one can disagree with what happens in language classes. It is the easy one for that argument that you make. Yeah. Because nobody remembers that stuff. Yeah. You could make more of an argument for like, how much Shakespeare do you remember? How much biology do you remember? I think people are more can more easily recall those things. The languages that they took, less so if they didn't continue it in any meaningful way after school. So to be slightly careful here, but the reason why language is like, oh, wow, look at this really fat fish in this tiny barrel. Like, it's so easy to shoot mm-hmm. is because with a lot of school, uh, how to put it nicely, you are learning about a thing and it's way easy to, one, fake that knowledge And it's way easy to to fool yourself into thinking you understand a thing better when the domain of knowledge is learn about history. Whereas with language classes, there isn't a version of this where you just learn about French culture, but never ever learn any of the words. That's what a lot of classes actually are, like you're learning about a thing. But language classes pretend to teach you an actual skill of, we are teaching you how to speak French. I guess what I'm trying to say here is, with most classes, there is not a clear and easy objective way to demonstrate that you have completely failed to achieve what you're trying to achieve. And with languages, it's like, oh no, we could very easily demonstrate that you have completely failed what you were trying to achieve. Six years of French in school produces people who can't speak as well as toddlers. Like, that's the level that we're talking about here. So that, that's why it's a very easy target. And most of academia doesn't allow itself to be such an easy target, which I think ends up having people give them way more benefit of the doubt than they deserve. 
This episode of Cortex is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Growing your business takes more than offering a popular product or service. It is essential to have the right people in place to ensure that your company operates smoothly and has the potential to expand. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the best candidates for free. I know that when I've been in the position of hiring people in the past, I know how much of a big thing that it can be. You want to make sure that you're finding the right people. You're expanding your business. You're bringing people into your team. You want them to be the right people for you. And you also want to be able to manage this stuff efficiently. It can be quite daunting to just put a job posting out there in the world. So you want to know that you're going to get great candidates. You want to know you're going to get all the right information. This is exactly what LinkedIn Jobs will help you do. They have really fantastic tools. What I love myself is that everything can be managed from my smartphone on the go if I want to in the LinkedIn app. That's just super cool for me to be able to check this stuff whenever I have a spare moment. You can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. You're going to find the right person in that group. You can fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation that you need. Then use simple tools to filter and prioritize the top candidates that you'd like to interview. And that's what I'm talking about right there, helping you find the right person easily from a group of people that's going to have that person for you. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right person for your role, and your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash cortex. That's linkedin.com slash cortex to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of this show and Relay FM. I want to touch on note-taking apps. Mm? I want to do a little check-in. I've had a good experience with an app recently. Oh, yeah? Um, and I just wanted to follow up on that a bit, which is Craft. I think I spoke about Craft before. Uh, you mentioned this one in passing a long time ago. Yeah. Craft. Yeah. I think the best way for me to describe Craft is imagine in your mind how good you thought Evernote could be. I, I thought it could be so good. And that's what Craft is. Hmm. That's what Craft is right now. It's an excellent application for all kinds of notes and mixed media type stuff. And it has some collaboration tools and all that kind of fun stuff, folders and blah, blah, blah. I really, really like it. I have been using it exclusively for everything related to Cortex brand. Okay. So all of my text notes and imagery and links and inspiration and all that kind of stuff all goes in there, which I mentioned before. Like I wanted to separate all that stuff out from my like notes app. And I didn't want to get it all mixed up with other stuff that I was doing. So I've been using Craft for that. Mm. And I've really, really been enjoying using this application. There's like a few things that I still want them to add that I believe that they are working on. Like one I mentioned, I think in the past was tables. They don't have a way to put a table into a note, which is just something that I want to have for a few different reasons. Mm. But I know that they're working on that. I I really like the way that the app works. It, It... Everything's happening like natively. It's not doing the like the banana stuff that apps like Notion does or whatever, where it's like actually just like a web view right. inside of the application. Like it feels good on every platform. On the Mac, it's a catalyst app, but it's by far the best catalyst app that I think I've ever used. Like I would never have known that it was. So I guess the question is it says it's a fresh take on collaboration. So you can share and work on the documents with someone mm-hmm. else? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, something that also like that they have in the Roma collaboration. Every note can be published as a web page. So if you just wanted to share a note with someone, 
you can do that and you get a link and you can share just that link. They can't edit it. Although I think that that is something that they're working on as another thing you could possibly do in Mm. the future. But like I've done this where I've wanted to share feedback with someone. I've just collected it all in craft, created a web link to it and just sent them the web link and Mm. then they can see all of the stuff. Yeah, it looks looks very nice. It definitely has much more user-friendly feel than other note-taking apps <laughs> might have. Mm-hmm. I was just curious about the collaboration part because I don't know how to put this. Like the one thing that I, I feel like I still don't have a good solution to is it's how to merge at some point my own notes, you know, in a thousand quotation marks, my own notes on a topic with the fact-checking of a topic that's done later in this post koi world. But I think maybe it's just because there is not a good solution to this. And I'm just these are two different sorts of things. But I was just wondering for a second, like, oh, maybe this is the solution because all the fact checking stuff is done in Notion. And I just I hate Notion. Notion is very good for the team communication and the library of how does the company work. Like Notion is a great tool for that. I just it it makes me sad to ever have it open if I am trying to work creatively on a script. <laughs> like it just it's yeah. you know it feels very much like oh this is the database of all of my horrible tax information and all the administrative stuff. Like I'm not exactly sure how you're using Notion, but I reckon a lot of it could be done in in craft instead. I know that your assistant has become a big Notion Nation person, so maybe it would be impossible to move them. There. Yeah, no, I I, know, I have I have absolutely no intention of ever moving away from Notion. I I genuinely think it is really good at the purpose that it's built for, which is being this kind mm-hmm. of connected database. I've just kind of it's been on my mind: is there a way to have collaboration on, say, just the notes on an active video? Not like not everything, but like here's the two active projects and here's a way that my notes can be visible to other people working on that project with me. I think Crofts could do that for you. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it, se- it seems like it might be possible. I was kind of thinking there's a way to split your databases in Obsidian. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do it this way, where there's I have one database in iCloud, which is my personal database, and another database in a shared Dropbox folder, which could work to be like, oh, this is just the active videos, and then everyone can see what's going on there. Well, that doesn't sound dangerous at all. <laughs> I don't understand what you mean, Mike. <laughs> what could, what could, look, what could possibly go wrong with trying to split a database of all of your knowledge about everything into two parts? I don't see what, I don't see what could go wrong with that. I'll take a look at Craft based on your suggestion. I've been using it for collecting ideas like in note form for new projects, mixing it up with links and stuff like that. Mm. I like There's a lot of nice formatting options. So we've been working on a new website. I guess we could tell people about the website. Oh, can we tell people? Well, I mean, the it's available. It's like on the web now. It's I think the project's done. So we've been working on a new theme system website. 
it's now themesystem.com. And it's beautiful. Yeah, so we've been working with a really great web designer. And it's been a project that's been going on for a while. It required, it required a lot of things, really, like copywriting and working on illustrations. And I had to come up with a bunch of example pages that we could put of the way that the journal works on mm-hmm. the page. This is pure, like, you know, I'm working in Craft and Slack, right? Like, that's how all this stuff's being done. It was, like, just a good example of, like, a collaborative project for me of getting all the copy in place, putting it all in there, and then taking the images and annotating the images, keeping them all in craft. So I've got like a record of how it was building over time. But yeah, I'm really, really pleased with the new website. It's like the first step towards like a next phase of what we wanted to do with the journal product, which is eventually we want to start trying to get customers that don't listen to the show like that's the ultimate goal for this product is right cortexans know how great the theme system is but we want to tell people about it that don't already listen to the show don't have the background Mm -hmm. so the website is serving multiple purposes now one of like a instruction manual effectively of how to use the journal but also as a marketing tool and previously the one that i had just built on my own it wasn't a good marketing tool at all it was kind of just like here's how to do it and so i needed a bit of help in bring like condensing that and also making it really cool visually mm-hmm. and so working with the wonderful web designer david on this like we i think we've made something really nice and this is like so next is like okay now we have that how do we start marketing and advertising for the product like that's the next thing Mm. which i'm really intrigued about how that's gonna go like i i feel like i have no great sense of what that's going to to be like i've never done anything like this before yeah i mean i have absolutely no thoughts on this because the things that we've discussed like instagram ads i'm just totally unfamiliar with that world but on the long journey of Cortex brand, like one of the things that we talked about at the beginning, and I'm not sure how much we've mentioned in the past years, but it has always been an important thing that ultimately these should be products that people who don't know anything about us can find and use. And Mm -hmm. this feels like, wow, we're finally at the first step of being able to actually achieve that with having this brand new website. You know, the barrier isn't oh, go listen to this two-hour podcast where two people you don't know about talk about their themes, which you've also never heard about before. The barrier is, look at this website and does this idea seem intriguing to you? And that's why the the design process for this, I have loved every update that's come in because I I just think it's, it's really beautiful. And in designing something like this, I think it's important when you're thinking about how to get people's attention The thing that's nice about the Cortex stuff is, okay, okay, these are things that we would use. And so I can look at this webpage and go, oh, wow, I know younger me would totally be caught by this and be very interested. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, what is this journal? What is this system? You know, so it's just been very interesting to measure the design against my own internal response and we'll see how advertising goes and and if that's effective but i feel like if we can find people like ourselves through advertising i would be shocked if it didn't work because i can feel the pull of this on me as well yeah i feel like we can right because so the main place that i'm expecting we will begin is instagram 
mm-hmm. because Instagram's advertising is very effective. It's a very effective on me. But I also know we can find people because I get advertised different journal products all the time. So like I right. something about Instagram, like in their advertising tools, they can find people like me, I suppose. And so like that's who we would be looking for. People like me and you. And it must be true because these the journal products have already found me. So there must be a way to get this in front of those people that are interested in that kind of product. Well, I mean, my understanding is that Facebook, who runs the ads, they explicitly have a tool which is called like Lookalike. What is that? I could be wrong because, again, I don't have any firsthand contact with this. But my understanding from talking to some people who do do this advertising is that there is a Facebook tool called Lookalike. Wow, yeah. A Lookalike audience is a group who are determined to sharing characteristics of another group. Yeah, so you, you can basically say, here's me, and here's a couple of people that I think are like me. Find the lookalikes for this group of people, like, and whatever that means to Facebook. That seems like a very easy way to get started. Since Facebook looks directly into your soul <laughs> by tracking you everywhere, <laughs> I suspect that that might be a place to start, to be like, okay... Here's the, I don't even know, do we have a Cortex Facebook page? I don't think we do. But we don't. We could figure out, like, wh- who's a group of people that are like Cortex people, then find a lookalike audience to try to advertise the existence of this notebook to. I mean, I am going to look into it yeah. more anyway, but this is now a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, I, this, all, all of this, I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I just keep needing to reemphasize this because I, I sometimes run across, sometimes when people talk to me about, their product ideas it is very important that you make a product that you would want to use and this sounds like the dumbest advice in the world but i definitely come across people who are trying to make products for other people who aren't them and it's Mm -hmm. like no that's so much harder and it's so much harder on every possible level and this right here i feel like is another great example of why do you want to make a product that you yourself would use Because it's easy to make it in ways that you know is good. And then it's also way easier to try to figure out where are people like me going to be to find out about this product? Mm -hmm. Or how do I respond to this ad? Not how does this theoretical audience that isn't like me, how will they respond to this ad? And then you have to do like testing because you don't know. For anybody who's working on their side products, Make sure, especially if it's your first one, that it's a thing that you would use. I think it it just makes it so much easier. Yeah, I will say there was a funny part, which is somewhat akin to it, but on a, also not. Like, I know that I needed someone that wasn't me to help me put this website together because I'm far too close to the system, right? Yeah. I'm too close to it. So, like, I, I needed someone outside of me and you to help with the with like explaining this to other people mm-hmm. everything i was doing was just like i was just it was too much information constantly it needed an, a fresh set of eyes to help me kind of put together better explanations of how all this stuff is meant to be used but in the same vein i could then look at that website and knew where it was working and where it wasn't right. you know what i mean like i it kind of needed to go through someone else but then I could see like, oh, no, that's not explaining it or I don't get that because I know completely what the product is about. But it definitely needed an outside set of eyes for me to be able to condense it down to what we have now. Yeah, that, that's what I mean by the you can judge it thing. 
I, mm-hmm. I, I would not have been able to write copy as simply as the copy that is written on that site. But mm-hmm. I can read it and know, ah, this would catch my attention. But yeah, because I, I would have the same problem that you would have of like, how do I, how do you describe, like, it's just too much. We've been talking about it for years. It's useful to see what someone else thinks are the key points. It, it's a really exciting first step. And I, and I wasn't, I didn't quite realize until just now that, oh, it's it's actually live on the internet. It's, it's not hidden now behind a mm-hmm. password somewhere. So it's up. People can go look at it and tell us what they think about it. Themesystem.com. Themesystem.com. How is the Obsidian beta for iOS serving you? I just had this very long conversation with Federico on Connected, one of my other shows about it. He's effectively building his very own writing app inside of Obsidian. Oh, he's getting into Obsidian, yeah. Oh, big time. And he's found a way to like embed Todoist inside of Obsidian. Yeah, because it, it's just web views. Like You can do any kind of web view stuff. Because of the plugin architecture of Obsidian, he's really doing some just like very Federico wild things. Like He's created this little thing where... He can put a open bracket and closed bracket and then a line of text, and mm-hmm. that's a to-do. Mm-hmm. And he has a plugin that runs like through that document and pulls all of those out and turns them into tasks in Todoist. Hmm. So he's doing all kinds of stuff right now because he's building up, like he's getting ready for his iOS review, right? Because that process starts, I guess, in like a month for him. Oh, right. Right. So he's like setting on Obsidian as maybe his app for right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a new year. He needs a new app to write his review, right? Isn't this what happens every year is that he goes to something different? He said on the show, like last year, he didn't. And so he feels like he has to now. Because like last year was the first time where he hadn't changed that. Oh, wow. So like Two now he row. needed to change it all again. <laughs> I know. Imagine that. But how are you getting on with it? I'm really liking it. I think the beta is, I mean, I'll just say way better than I would have any reasonable expectation of a beta being at this point in time. I'm still Mm -hmm. running into some minor bugs because I use emoji file names. Again, this is 100% my own dumb fault and I've uh, sent them in sometimes on the test flight. But aside from that, it's very smooth. It's very solid. And I'm really happy to have it on the iPad as an option. And this sort of lines up with what it sounds like Federico is doing. It only dawned on me in the past couple of weeks that one of the reasons that I really like Obsidian is it feels like going home again to uh, what's called org mode on Emacs, which is like, I don't even know how, like where to begin trying to describe what that means. we talk about Obsidian, <laughs> you find a new way to convince me never to go there (laughs) you're like Federico tells me to stuff I'm like oh that sounds interesting and then you're like it reminds me of Emacs and I'm like yeah I'm good (laughs) yeah I mean it's this is one of those things like there will be 100% comments this time about org mode and Emacs because people who use it love it but Emacs is like obsidian times a hundred i mean i don't know emacs is a linux text editor it's got to be i don't know 40 years old at this point in the way that some you know open source linux stuff is but the joke with emacs is oh it's not a text editor it's an operating system all unto itself which it totally was like you could do literally anything you can conceive of with text in emacs and then i think it's just a one person project but there's a plug-in for Emacs called org mode, which is an entirely text-based to-do system. And when I found this in 
college, like this was how before I had a real system got through writing papers and stuff, because the the bottom line was it, it allowed you to really easily kind of mix and match oh, I'm uh, working on a document, but also I can just throw in a to-do item right here and then just keep writing. And later in this system, I can have it just show me, oh, here are all the to-dos that happen to be scattered randomly through all of your text documents. You don't care about where exactly those to-dos are right now because you're just trying to get a high-level overview of it. And it also had a lot of the features of the kind of outlining and little, little bits of text and stuff. Anyway, it just crossed my mind like, Oh, that's what this is. Obsidian is a modern iOS and Mac version of Emacs and org mode. And this is why I feel really at home with this program. And it's also why you should not use it, Mike. This is not the tool for you. But part of why I imagine Federico is using it, and like I haven't delved into this too much, but it is, I only just realized, oh, even in the beta, they're already allowing their whole plugin architecture to work. And then that does make it basically infinitely customizable for anything that you want to do. So it's like, oh, wow, like this mm -hmm. is way more powerful on iOS than I had originally thought. So yeah, I'm, I'm still loving it. It's going really well. Very solid for the test flight. Maybe I'll force my assistant and fact checker to use it a little bit with some of my notes when I split my database. Uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that won't. But I recommend Obsidian very highly to everyone who isn't Mike. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FitBot, the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan that actually fits you. When it comes to fitness, FitBot believes that everyone can be better. Whether you're working out three days a week or twice a day, FitBot's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than your last. FitBot has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to bring you the very best practices of strength training directly to you. You have a workout program that is tailored exactly to suit your needs, making it perfect for your unique body experience, environment, and goals. FitBot figures everything out for you so you don't have to worry about under- or over-training. Trying to work out exactly how much you should be doing can be quite daunting, so FitBot takes care of it and will also mix up muscle groups and exercises, sets, reps, and weight as well over time to keep you on top form while making sure that you stay on a path that's right for you to help you take steps towards becoming a better version of yourself. Fitbot has a bunch of body weight only workouts if you're at home right now. These are great for indoors or outdoors, especially if you have no equipment. But if you do have access to a gym or some equipment, they have tons of great workout options there for you. It doesn't matter what you have, they've got what you're going to need. Fitbot is there to help you with any exercise routine. I really appreciate how Fitbot does the mixing up of muscle groups. It means that I'm not going to be causing pain to myself multiple days in a row. I really like as well that every time you do a workout, it can show you what parts of your body were worked out by that. So I guess you can match it up with how your body's feeling at that time. And something that I just truly value about the app is the little videos that they put with every exercise to make sure that you're doing things correctly. I always want to know. I can read the instructions and get an idea, but having the videos too, it really just helps crystallize it for me. FitBod is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me slash cortex. If you do, you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash cortex to try it out for free and get 25% off your FitBod membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of Cortex and Relay FM.
It is that time again, but that time again is earlier. <laughs> it's that time of year, but it's not. <laughs> but it's the time of year, but that time of year has changed. So for the last few years in August, we do a bonus episode for Relay FM members where we have played text adventures with Jason Snell of the Upgrade podcast. We mm-hmm. do like a crossover. And we are teaming up with Jason again, but with a bit of a twist this time. And we're doing them earlier in the year because of stuff like the podcast-a-thon for St. Jude every year, which happens in September. Mm-hmm. We needed to start splitting these things apart. We used to do <laughs> these in August every year. And, and really, those two big projects were starting to collide with each other. So we are from now going to be doing our annual member specials in kind of May, June time. So it gives us space in the summer. Can I just interject here and say, I am so glad that you did this. Like, watch you go through oh it's podcastathon oh it's also wwdc oh it's also all of the membership specials for all of my shows within a short month period was brutal so i'm so glad that 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 you moved this and yes we we recorded this a while ago now and i was i was so happy Mm -hmm. to be like oh thank god we're getting this off mike's plate (laughs) yeah it was much better this time we have a bit of a twist so We're not doing a tax adventure this time for a couple of reasons. The main one is that Jason felt like we had outgrown text adventures because we have a text adventure in the way that you're supposed to play them. The text adventure parser, which was Jason, would say, hey, you can go left or right. And then me and you would want to explore the space and just like rip the pictures off the walls. And and this is like stuff that's not in the text Mm -hmm. adventure. So every year, Jason's having to basically augment the text adventure to deal with us kind of wanting to rip up the floorboards and see what was Mm -hmm. around. This style of play is actually better suited to a more RPG adventure. You know, like people will have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. That is a form of a role playing game. And so this year we are playing a role playing game adventure instead. So we have way more flexibility within the world to do whatever we want rather than the limited options that a text adventure will provide for us. Now, I always wanted these to be RPGs, but figured it was too hard of a sell on Grey, so we started with Text Adventure, (laughs) and then have now gotten to the RPG that I always wanted. We're also changing how we're playing in that this year, Jason is joining our team as the people playing the game, and we have brought in an experienced game master slash Dungeon Master, they're called Game Masters. We're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's a different RPG I was like, I was like, why aren't you calling him a Dungeon Master? He's the Dungeon Master. It's a, it's a Dungeon Master if we were in Dungeons. We, we're not in a Dungeon. No, it's always a Dungeon Master. Unless Dungeons and Dragons has trademarked that. I don't so know. So it is Game Master <laughs> like, <laughs> outside of Dungeons and Dragons. So our friend Tony Sindelar, he is the Dungeon Master on the Total Party Kill podcast, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, but we are not playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it is an RPG RPG Adventure. This is going to be available on May 21st for Relay FM members in our crossover feed that we have. So this is where you'll also get all of the annual bonus specials from this year and past years from this show and other shows on the network. Uh, when you are a member, it's in the podcast section of your memberful page once you've mm-hmm. logged in. But I'll also put a link in the show notes of this episode that you just tap it, you sign in with your credentials. And you're good to go. If you're a new member, you'll find it when you sign up as well. By the way, if you go to getmoretext.com, you will get this. And also, more text. Now, that's the real winner right there. So not (laughs) only will you get the RPG special episode, you'll also get access to the more text feed, which has longer episodes of Cortex every single month with no ads. If you've been wondering, maybe I should try more text. They're always talking about it. It seems like fun. 
this is the perfect time to try it. You can sign up. You will get our membership special. You also get access to the Mortex feed, and you can go and listen to previous episodes of Mortex, see what the kind of content is, as well as getting the special. And if you stay subscribed, you will get Mortex forever. If you don't want it, that's fine. You won't get Mortex anymore. We changed that. Right? Just so you know, <laughs> people would sign up once and be subscribed forever. Not anymore. If you stop paying, you stop getting the extras. Right? That's that's a change for our new system. But I really enjoyed this special. It's very different. But I had such a good time with it. Uh, it's also, I think, way longer than any that we've done before. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah, I think is the final runtime of the special. Like you said, the world of the RPG is functionally infinite in every direction, as opposed to the text game where it's like it's a small, constrained environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, w- when we were recording on the night too, I think we were recording for like three hours. It was f- it was forever long. Yeah, it was over that. It was like three and a half hours was the recording, and and the edited episode is down to about two and a half. Yeah. It's a big, big members episode. So you can't say no to getmortex.com right now. Exactly. Imagine all of this incredible content available to you at getmortex.com. All of this content and literally more text. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Why have we never thought of that before? I don't know. That's I don't so know good. why. <laughs> all of this content and more text. Oh, man, I love it. There you go. That's a new tagline. This is this is how the magic yeah, happens. That's how we end the show, Mike. That's how we end it every time now, as we go all of this and more. <laughs> so at the beginning, we say hello and welcome to Cortex. Right. Now, and then at the end, we say you can get all of this and, and more text at getmortex.com. Yeah. It's very good. That's how that works. It's kind of funny. Like with our last episode, we were talking about how we edit this show, right? Mm-hmm. And with this project being so much larger than stuff we've done in the past... I actually ended up getting some outside editing help for this project. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where we did it, and then we had done another episode of our show, and I was editing that, and then we were getting ready for this episode, and then realized, oh, shit, I have to do the member bonus special in between these two <laughs> periods of time. Right. And I knew how long it was, and I knew it was going to be more work than normal, and I had not accurately budgeted my time. Yeah, and we're also recording Cortexes closer together. Like, everything was going against you in this scenario. You know, usually it was like three or four weeks in between. We had like two weeks in between. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh man, this is this is bad. So I very talented editing friend of mine, Brian, I got him to come in. And he did like a first pass. And what he was doing was just cleaning it up. So all I had to go in and do afterwards is add in the sound clips that I wanted, remove things that didn't work. Like he didn't do a content pass. He did like a, I'm going to clean up some ums and ahs mm-hmm. and tighten the whole thing up. It was kind of funny to me. I almost couldn't believe it that he, he cut an hour out of the audio, which I don't, I don't know how that's possible. Like I've never really paid attention to how much of a runtime I cut down from mm-hmm. the what we have recorded and what ends up being the final episode. But for this specifically... There was a lot of thinking time and stuff like Tony would give us something to do and we'd have to try and work out what we wanted to do with it. Mm. So there's like a lot of gaps that I guess you could cut out, but I'm so pleased. I mean, it took Brian 14 hours to do his part Mm -hmm. and then mine, let me try and count it up real quick. Let's just say. You didn't have a spare 14 hours in this fortnight to put into the members episode, right? That was that was time that was just not possible for you to find. So it's it's fantastic he was able to do it. 
I mean, it took me about the same. Right. For but my you did, side. Okay. So you didn't have 30 hours. <laughs> right. And it also, it was just much more pleasant for me to be doing the part that I truly enjoy, which mm-hmm. is adding in the sound clips and building the, the sound space of the member special. That's the thing I really enjoy about these is, is taking what is just our conversation, our like conversational audio and, I mean, this sounds so terrible, but I have no other way of saying it. Like, creating a world out of it. Like, actually creating an atmosphere. Yeah, that doesn't sound terrible at all. That That's literally what you're doing. And, again, mm-hmm. I always think of the old, I've mentioned before, but, like, the radio plays that I used to listen to as a kid. A big part of that is when it's not an audiobook, when it is, oh, this is an environment that these people are moving through, it really matters to have that Foley work in the background. It, it really mm-hmm. changes the listening experience. And when I listen to it, I'm always really impressed by how much effort you do in, in creating. It's like you're vivifying the experience with the sound effects. And I also know that this was a particularly big project and was also because now there's four people, it's also more complicated. I enjoyed how you let me know very directly and very clearly that I was not going to be able to look at the logic project for this one. <laughs> oh yeah, it was not happening. <laughs> in the past in the past I have listened to the logic project, but you were very gray, you are not allowed to touch this. No, no, no. So I actually had to do the thing we discussed last time of, oh, if I had notes, I could just text them to you but i couldn't yeah that was as much as you were doing i'm gonna open the logic project Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna tell you the cuts right oh god so like a typical episode of cortex is what did we say it's like 1500 cuts yeah 1500 put the image in the show notes last time so people could see what that looked like where this one takes a little while for the project to open right because it's so small this has it's still opening. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm beach balling right now. Logic Uh-oh. is now beach balling my Mac Mini here. I hope, I hope you have a backup recorder going. This is a funny thing where I couldn't edit this project on my iMac Pro. I had to edit on my M1 MacBook Pro because mm. my iMac Pro could not handle it. I was trying to move things around, like I was trying to move literal thousand cuts, thousands of cuts around, mm-hmm. and it could not handle it. I think that is one of the most interesting real-world test cases for Apple doing something quite interesting and different with those M1s, where on flat-out certain kinds of tasks, different chips can beat those M1 laptops, but on apple optimized stuff like nothing can uh, we've got logic it's running on the right operating system we know exactly what the chip is and apple's really able to squeeze out a ton of i don't know how to put these but i think of them as as very low latency optimizations with that m1 chip Mm -hmm. like I'm, i'm just very aware of it when i'm working in final cut as well that the difference between my m1 computer and my imac pro is the imac pro still wins on export speed but just actually working in final cut it's surprising how fast and instant everything is yeah like the imac pro is faster exporting these projects than my macbook pro but my macbook pro can handle zooming around and moving Mm. stuff around like better than any machine that i've ever used before yeah and i think it is because we are using the tools that apple makes for its platforms they have teams of people where their jobs are to make sure they are refining the experience of Mm. these applications on these machines directly 
So one of the issues that I was having about opening this project is I use Dropbox's like feature where some things are not saved to the computer. This stuff wasn't downloaded on this machine. So I am currently oh, now downloading okay. the Logic project <laughs> so I can give you the answer of that. Like, I have to do that because, I mean, honestly, partly the reason I have to do that is because of our show. We save everything. Like, every episode of Cortex is saved in Dropbox, mm. which I always thought was a silly thing to do until more text came around yeah that's why i told you like don't get rid of those i shows. know you were right <laughs> you were right it was i was so pleased we did it because when it came to remastering the audio files and pulling out the ads and stuff i had all the original logic projects mm -hmm. that was how i was able to encode the old episodes in the more text feed at a higher bit rate they sound better because I now, just since, have just started doing that. Like, I encode uh, audio at a higher bitrate than we used to. So the Mortex episodes are actually what I refer to them as remastered. And there's some <laughs> slight, very, very slight tweaks that I made to some of the timing as I was zooming around the files, which was funny to me. I was like, oh, I wouldn't accept that now. <laughs> just like, now it's fine. So I was very pleased I had it. But because of that, all the stuff that I have in Dropbox is larger than any SSD that I have. Right. I have more than a terabyte of stuff in Dropbox. So I can't have everything download. <laughs> so I use Dropbox's system where you can have some files saved locally and some files saved in the cloud. Yeah. And you can set it like so like some folders are just automatically synced, but I had not done that for this one. So we are currently still downloading. So I will be able to give you that answer in a minute. I'm very familiar with that feature, Mike, because I just quickly double-checked. I currently have 24.63 terabytes of data in oh, Dropbox. <laughs> wow. So I assume you're saving Final Cut stuff in there, right? You must be saying it's video. That's surely video. It is video. A lot of it is video, but the raw files to generate the animations are bigger than you might expect that they are. Even though everything is vector-based, they're still quite complicated projects. So yes, a lot of that is video, but this is also a side effect of, just like with Cortex, I keep all of the raw stuff to produce as many of the videos as I can. Some of the much older stuff, I have lost the original files somewhere along the way, which is a little sad, but yeah, my Dropbox is huge and there's only one machine where I can have it all downloaded and I have one of those giant like Pegasus 50 terabyte drive things to be able to keep it all locally in one computer. Uh, but yeah, everywhere else, when I install Dropbox, it gives me this warning of like, you have 20 million files in your thing. You cannot sync all of this. It will not be fast. Please select just the things you want on this computer. Uh, <laughs> I'm very glad Dropbox added that feature. <laughs> Do you back that up as well somewhere? Or is like the backup, the hard drive, and the source of files is Dropbox? The source of files is Dropbox. It's all locally stored. I do also have a copy of it stored in Backblaze online. I have like these giant storage things are so expensive. I haven't quite pulled the trigger on it, but I I have been thinking I I probably should get a second local physical copy of all of this data. So I, I think that is on my shopping list at some point to do to have a second local physical backup. But currently I have two online backups and the actual physical files here. So that's the way it works. Yeah, I have 
Dropbox, and then I have Time Machine, and then everything's in Backblaze somehow. <laughs> like I, I just know that somehow it's there, right? Like uh, most of the time, I'm not entirely sure how it's there, but I know it's all there, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's it gets complicated with the Dropbox stuff. It does, and, and and again, it's very easy to like lose data and things. But I'm very vigilant about how all of the computers in the house have Time Machine drives that they connect to, and mm-hmm. they all are keeping a local copy of whatever the current active projects are. So in the house, I've got like six, seven time machine drives connected to various computers that are always just running. uh, So I can make sure that whatever I happen to be working on, I always have the local copies. So that stuff is the most important to make sure it's backed up. But it's a delicate line with computer files of when have you crossed the line into paranoia and when do you just have a good system but i actually do think that for the value of all of those raw files i am probably slightly under backed up from what i should be i just haven't been willing to drop a huge amount of money on another giant local storage system yet but i i should really bite the bullet on that this has been a bit of a funny episode so far where like we're in lots of like brackets we keep yes, doing this we're, i like, keep thinking the same we're thing we're still talking about like the membership here but now somehow we've ended up in online backup as the conversation so coming back out a few steps yeah, i was like have you opened your logic file yet <laughs> it's now downloaded okay. 4218 is the Oof. number of little events that we have that is about two to three times the size of a regular cortex episode so hence why i won't let gray or anybody near this logic project <laughs> because one false move and everything's ruined. Now, look, Mike, I just want to badly crossfade one section. Why won't you Why won't you let me <laughs> monkey you around? Me? <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on, let me crossfade it. Come on. <laughs> no, it's not happening. So anyway, I think that this special is super fun. I think you're going to love it. Go to getmoretext.com. You can sign up right now. Not only will you get more text, you'll also get our wonderful special. We will have a trailer at the end of the episode as well, so you'll get an idea for what you'll be hearing. Getmoretext.com. Let's do some hashtag Ask Cortex questions. I think I mentioned this on our last episode, but I want to. We're trying to do more of these. I actually would like to do Ask Cortex on pretty much every episode now, even if mm-hmm. we just do a couple. I always enjoy doing it, and I feel like we don't do it enough, and they kind of just yeah, build up. I agree. I, th- I think we need to touch on it more as a regular segment. It's always fun, and you never know what people are going to ask. So hashtag Ask Cortex. Yeah, so I also just wanted to say in the show, if you want to submit a question for a future episode, you can tweet with the hashtag AskCortex, mm. or if you are in the RelayFM members Discord, which you also get access to by signing up at getmoretext.com, you can use question mark AskCortex anywhere in the Discord, and it will submit to the same place. Mm-hmm. One spreadsheet of truth that I have to draw from. Nice system you have there. I like it a lot. So let's do some some questions, Gray. What do you like the look of here? I like this one from Stephen there that, that catches my attention straight away. Oh, interesting. I thought I was going to have to twist your arm for this question. Oh, yeah? Why? I don't know. It just feels... I don't, well, let me ask the question and then, and then yeah. maybe we'll find out. You both make art that is in many elements timeless. How much does the idea of legacy factor into the choices that you make? So why do, why do you... It just felt like a, like a very big topic. I was, wasn't sure if you were interested in talking about something like this but i'm pleased that you are because i find i think about this kind of stuff a lot okay so so tell me what you think about it i mean what's your legacy mike it's it's difficult to talk about this kind of stuff and not seem egotistical mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people like to wonder what their mark on the world is and i think if you make 
content for people, it only shines more of a spotlight on that. Because, so, you know, stuff that we make is enjoyed by people around the world that we've never met and will never meet. Mm -hmm. And so you have an effect on those people. And I often wonder if my effect will outlast me. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to, have I done enough stuff that is good enough to warrant that? That if it does outlast me, that the effect could continue? I feel like the type of stuff that I make, there is less of a chance of that than some of the content that you make. Just from like a, what is the content and how consumable is it into the future? Mm -hmm. You know, like the videos that you make by and large have a more of a timelessness than most of the stuff that I make. Conversations, even if you're thinking about them being timeless, which we both do even when we're just recording this podcast, conversations are intrinsically more linked to a moment in time than many other media. But I think about it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think about like what my future as a person who makes things will be. And if I want to consider legacy as more of a part of that as well, hmm. do I want to have an impact on the world? And what do I want that impact to be? You want to lean into the legacy. I don't know if I want to lean into it, but I think about it. Hmm. You know, like, or at least I fancy the idea of leaning into it, but I don't know if I would ever actually do it. Does right. that make sense? So, like, yeah. legacy for me, creating something which has more legacy to me, I think is easier to do as a creator if you are creating something that is fiction. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's easier to leave a lasting impact in something that is not you, like you're creating something that can live on its own without the creator ever being questioned or thought about. Right, that mm. like you know, you can read a book, watch a movie, and you enjoy it for what it is. You don't necessarily think about the person who came up with the idea. Neither, in most instances, do you actually really need to. You just enjoy the content for what it is. Mm. I think it's easier to leave a lasting impact if you are a creator. If you, what you create is fiction, as a person to leave a lasting impact. Otherwise, you would do things in politics or in altruism or something like that right like they would be your other paths i think to leave mm. longer lasting impacts but if i'm thinking about what i can do as a creative person i don't know if the type of stuff that i do right now is enough to leave an impact into the future but of course i would like to right okay i think a lot of people given the opportunity like hey do you want to leave a lasting impact on the world it's like, yeah I, I would actually because that sounds kind of nice and i have enough of an ego that i think i would enjoy that but i think the things that i assume of like ways that i could i just don't know if i have it in me to make something like that you know hmm. i mean this is also the problem of if, if you want to try to do something like this you have to realize the half-life of anything that outlasts you is right so when you say oh leave an impact on the world but only for so long it's always interesting to play the game of how many people can you name in the current century quite a lot the last century 
one one hundredth as many two centuries ago one ten thousandth as many right like it's it drops off real fast about how many people are remembered or their works still enjoyed is a very sharp drop off mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's also part of the like oh do you, you want to leave a legacy but like what are you thinking is your time frame here because ultimately everyone is forgotten <laughs> well i don't know man i i have no idea right i i i maybe half an hour would be fine right like i really have no idea right like I, i've never thought about it in those terms you know like what have you got like from somebody who made a hit song that lives for 20 years to William Shakespeare, right? You've got, you know what I mean? You have like such a huge, I don't know. I've never thought about that, honestly. Like I've never thought about what it would be, how long would I like to leave a mark on the world? Yeah. But just that like, I mean, honestly, there is even just this element of in my lifetime, I'm fine, right? Mm -hmm. To feel like I've done something that has made enough of an impact that people care for as long as I'm alive. Right. So, so this, this is where I actually kind of wanted to direct you, because I think this is the better way to think about it. Not thinking about legacy, but thinking about impact currently. And I think thinking about legacy is a sort of fool's errand that you can't really aim for directly. And also, by definition, you will never know if you were successful. <laughs> Right, like, yeah. it is the ultimate unachievable goal because you will never know if you have achieved it. There's no way to learn or try to adjust. But if you do make things that impact people now in their current lives, whatever those things are, have some kind of chance of outlasting you, almost by definition. So I think, like, don't think about legacy. I feel like that's a really bad way to think about something and it puts your brain totally in the wrong way and instead you should think about oh Mm. have i have i done things that have an impact on people now that i can see and that i can measure and that i can think about and adjust i I think that's a much better way to frame this question well have you do you think what do you think about with this stuff do you so what i think about for myself is actually going back to the product conversation before i think of a lot of the stuff that I make that are like the videos or the conversations that are designed to be more impactful, I am always thinking about a younger version of myself coming across that same information. And that is another way where you can kind of know that maybe you have an impact on someone. It's a very different information landscape now than, say, when I was in high school praying with all my heart for snow days. <laughs> like, I just, I, I very much remember having this strong feeling often of, oh, the world is filled with a whole bunch of bullshit and nonsensical advice and kind of looking and trying to find information that resonated with me or trying to find people who thought like I did. And Mm -hmm. it was like a long period in the wilderness of not being successful with that just because of the technology at the time. But there is a way in which I make many of my things as something that I think, oh, that younger version of me would have been really happy to find this thing. Even in the sillier videos, it's like still trying to hit a certain kind of chord. But then with the ones that are more designed directly to try to help people, 
like the videos about happiness or the videos about how not to ruin your brain with bad memes or, you know, the video about themes. Those are designed to be for that sort of person to find and say, oh, I know that this would work for you because this is the kind of thing that I know I was looking for as well. And so I think you can have an impact on people in that way. And I also like this question because as anyone who has uh, watched through the streams has known, I've made a couple of offhanded remarks about how just the past couple months have been hard for me in a bunch of different ways. Like the videos have stalled out and videos have been very frustrating to try to complete. And also like the end of the pandemic and the creeping speed of vaccines is very difficult. And so it's like a bunch of things were kind of coming together of like, oh, these are just a couple of frustrating months here. But it just so happened that during this period of time, an unusually large number of people happened to just send positive messages about, oh, hey, your videos or your conversations had a big impact on my life. And like, here's decisions that I've made based on that. Or, you know, oh, I really turned around something after hearing you phrase an idea this way. And it really stuck with me. And it's really nice to get those kind of messages. And I especially appreciated that the coincidences of the universe happened to line up that when I was having a rougher time, it's like, oh, I happened to get more of these messages. And it was really nice just to see that and go, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad to know that some of this stuff has resonated with people in a positive way. So I don't think about it in terms of legacy after I'm gone. I think that's pointless and doesn't make any sense. But what I like here is, is the first part of the question captures a specific thing that I do think about a lot, which is making media timeless. And I am very convinced that it is quite hard to make media timeless. Like it's, it's easier to write or create things that are in reaction to something that is happening right now. And it's harder to try to rewrite it or talk about it in a general way. But the big advantage of doing things in the general way is that it can last for a long time. Even the dumbest example, like that snow video thing that I just made. The very first drafts of it were contextualized of like, oh, my home state, like I'm connected to this New York. They've done this thing. And it's much harder to rewrite it in a more general way. But also, I think it's better to do it that way if you can, because now this is applicable to anyone who's trying to thieve snow days away from children. Like, it's not a reaction to the specific thing. I'm always really aware, I have this pet peeve whenever I'm watching movies with my wife that I try not to mention, but I can never help myself, which is, movies that pointlessly put themselves in an exact place on the timeline. Someone will make a reference and they'll say, oh, it's 2008. I think my favorite and worst example of this that exists in any movie ever is Love Actually, where you go through the whole movie. It doesn't matter what time it is. It's like a charming little movie. Yes, you vaguely know it's a time before cell phones, but who cares? And then mm -hmm. like three minutes before the movie is going to end, someone mentions that it's 2003. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, why? Why did, did you, do, that? you do that? That is without a doubt one of the worst examples I could think of in a movie. But so many movies do this. I just happened to watch Crazy Rich Asians and they do the same thing. It's like 
the very beginning of the movie really pointlessly establishes exactly what year it is. And then it never comes up again in the movie. Like, why? It's a great movie. This is totally like a timeless fun movie, but nope. Like, it happens in 2009. And we all know that now. Yeah, like, there are reasons to do it, but you have to have that reason. Yes, exactly. And and the like in Love Actually, the 2003 is just mentioned to make a joke sort of more specifically funny. Like there's a way that humor is funnier when it's more specific, but it's just it's the worst. It's the worst one. But so so anyway, I just I mentioned that because I'm just really sensitive to this in media when I'm watching something that I think, oh, this has a nice timeless quality. And then suddenly clunk, they place it. And I feel like you do your media a disservice when that happens. But I also totally get why it happens because it's very easy to do. It's very easy to not think about. And there is a way when you just say what year it is, sometimes you can make things easier. Or if you're having a conversation, if you are just reacting to the specific thing that is happening, that's way easier. But... It's also less applicable to anyone listening in the future, which means it has less of a chance of being able to make an impact in the future, which then gets to the answer to this question, which is there's less of a chance that it can have any legacy at all. I will say I do like this idea of legacy in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. That is much more achievable to me, I think, with the things that I feel like I'm able to do. Good. And that's with like everything with the podcast or stuff like the theme system. Like I feel like these are things where I know I can have effect in my lifetime. And, and like you, like every time I read somebody send me a message saying about how something that I've made has affected them positively, or sometimes you'll see people on the Cortex subreddit saying things like this, right? That like we help them focus and mm-hmm. they're able to get their degree or whatever. And it's always like a really heartwarming and unbelievable in all senses of the word type of thing mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel possible sometimes it's very it's like really interesting like it's a very interesting feeling and i guess really if i think about it just having legacy in my lifetime is already like so much of a gift anyway like what does it matter if it continues afterwards literally stop the day i die like whatever <laughs> unless i want to go and make my you know like write a play or something but i don't really think i have that in me This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has got you covered. And they combine cutting-edge design with world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish your home online and make your ideas a reality. Squarespace has everything you need to create a beautiful and modern website. You start off with a professionally designed template and you can use drag and drop tools to make it feel like your own. You can customize the look and feel, the settings, even the products you have on sale with just a few clicks. And all Squarespace websites are optimized for mobile. Your content will automatically adjust so it will look great on any device. I really value that when building a Squarespace website, there's a little button that you can press to see exactly how it's going to look on mobile on tablet it just shrinks the screen down for you so you can still be designing the site and getting that live preview you'll also get free unlimited hosting top of the line security and dependable resources that you need to help you succeed there's nothing to patch or upgrade or install and they have award-winning 24 7 customer support so if you need any help they're right there Squarespace will let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and they have everything that you're going to need for seo and email marketing tools to help you get your ideas out there 
You can use Squarespace to turn your big idea into a new website, showcase your work with their incredible portfolio designs, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and much more. I just used Squarespace recently to create a kind of new landing page for all my different projects. I have had MikeHurley.net as a website for a while, and it was a blog that was just not very updated very much, so I just decided to turn that website into a landing page. It's got some information about me and all the different stuff that I'm up to. Super easy to do, and I was able to make it look exactly how I wanted. Go to squarespace.com slash Cortex and you can get a free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Cortex to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash Cortex. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Cortex and you will get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of Cortex and Relay FM. Lachlan asks, what devices is Mike currently commuting to the studio with? And what bag do I carry daily? So this is kind of interesting, actually, because when we were packing up to leave the studio yesterday and Adina said to me, what are you taking your laptop for? And I said, I bring it to and from the studio every single day. Mm -hmm. And she said, why do you do that? And I said, well, the last year and a half has shown me that I need to be ready to not leave the house at any moment. So Mm. I don't want to be bringing a computer backwards and forwards every day, but I consider my MacBook Pro to be my main computer right now. Mm -hmm. And if I need to be at home for a week, just all of a sudden, I want to have access to that computer. So that's what I bring. My laptop, my MacBook Pro, it comes with me every day. And when I get to the studio, I plug it into the dock, which powers the monitor that I use. And that's great. Mm -hmm. And when I'm at home, I pretty much never use it. Also, a piece of follow-up, couch pad. Man, that's a great idea, Gray. (laughs) I have been using my 11-inch iPad Pro now is, again, like when I'm at home, Uh it's pretty much the only device that I use. No. It still horrifies me to think that you were sitting on the couch with your phone. So I'm glad Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Couch pad best pad. I'm glad you've I'm glad you've done this. So, you know, like I'm reading news on it, I'm watching videos on it, I'm social media and I'm messaging and you know, I'm doing like some very light work tasks and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing those with the with the eleven inch iPad Pro now instead of the phone because I'm a fool for some reason. I I, I don't think I broke out of the like this is my work device mode. I mm-hmm. just was just thinking about it as the work device. But yeah, it can be my everything computer at home rather than my iPhone, which mm-hmm. is what I was using. So you know, when I'm at home, I never really use the laptop, but I have feel like I have to bring it home in case. I can't come to the studio for a few days or whatever. And so that's just like become an important thing for me. Eventually, my plan is to not do that, but I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Right? But I am still using, I mentioned this bag a long time ago. It's a Tokyo tote pack from Bellroy. I love this bag. Looks very nice. What I love about this bag is that it's got just enough like organizational stuff in it. But my main thing that I love about it is it is both a backpack and a tote bag, which I just find really comfortable because sometimes I don't have a lot in there and I can just carry it like a tote bag. But then oh, sometimes right, I put it right. on my back. You know, like I walk into the studio and it's warm and I don't want my backpack on my back because it's warm. Yeah, your back so gets all sweaty I'll just take it off gross. my back. Yeah, and just carry it like a tote bag. I really love this bag. I'm very pleased that I found it. And also, as well, the the other thing that I bring to and from the studio every day, I have a pen case, a Notco Sinclair pen case with a few pens in it. And I put my journal and a subtle notebook there in my bag all the time. And similarly, they always 
go to and from because if I have to be at home for a bit, I want to have access to the notebook and journal that I'm using right now. Mm-hmm. But if I'm at the studio, then I use them while I'm here. So they're the things that I have every day. And then depending on what I'm doing, you know, like I might bring something to the studio or take something home. Like I actually imagine that even at the time when I'm leaving my computer here, I will still bring my bag to and from work every day because sometimes I'm bringing like lunch or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff from home. But I would prefer to not be carrying a computer backwards and forwards every day. But I'm not yet at the phase where I'm comfortable with that. Mm. It does look it does look very nice. <sighs> I just I'm trying to think of a way to describe it. It's a bit like we talk about the wheel of email always turns and there's something mm-hmm. like this with backpacks. It's it's finding the best backpack is an eternal experience that never ends because is you're always trying to balance all of these different aspects of how much stuff and then you you always want to overstuff the backpack or it's too heavy or it's you know it's too light but then it doesn't carry enough stuff it's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm never fully happy with any of the backpacks that i have but it's because it's a situation where you as a human irrationally want everything well here's what helped me I decided I wasn't going to have just one bag. Mm-hmm. This is my commuting to and from the studio bag. Yeah, I can see that it really makes sense for that. When I travel, I'm not going to use this bag. I will go back to probably the Peak Design backpack. That's the last one that I used. Mm-hmm. Because that's when I do want to fit loads of stuff in a bag. Because I'm yeah. going to be away for a bit. You know, But this... I wouldn't be able to get everything I would want in here if I was traveling internationally. Mm. It's just not going to work for me. It's not big enough. But for commuting on the train every day, I don't want a big bag because I will put too much stuff in it and it will be too heavy. Mm-hmm. But this isn't. It's like it's got two water bottle pockets in it. You know, I put an umbrella in one because I live in London. Right. Right. Like, so, you know, it's like all these little things like perfect. This is exactly what I need it to be. I've got an air tag on it now because that's a thing. Oh, right. Yes. Air tags is just like a funny little product because it's like, I don't know if I've ever bought like a piece of technology where I, I hope to never actually use it the way it's supposed to be, like what it's for, because to really get the impact out of that product, I have had to have lost something. Yeah, I don't know. Our tags just arrived today, so I haven't had a chance to play around with it. But I know, I, I've used the tile tracker on my keys, and that is one mm-hmm. of those things that I thought I put it on as a lark. And then immediately realized, oh, this is a totally necessary part of my life. In the same way that once you have an Apple Watch that can ping your phone, your brain goes, oh, great. I never need to remember where my phone is anymore. And you just ping it. So I never have this. I know where my keys are, Mm -hmm. right? They're either in my pocket or they're in the dish at home. Like, I have no problem with this. But if you have got value out, you wait until you try this thing. Because with your iPhone Mm -hmm. and with the AirTag, it uses the U1 chip. So it finally has a use. And you can hold your phone up and it points with an arrow where your keys are. Mm-hmm. It has an arrow like turn by turn directions and it's live updating. And so you can play hot and cold with your keys. You're mm-hmm. going to have a great time. Here's the thing. Yes, I have a place where the keys go. Like this, Everyone should have this of when you come inside, there's a place that the keys go and they always go there and just make your life simple mm-hmm. and just make a decision about whatever that is. And my keys are always there, but... There's just the way the universe works is somehow whenever I'm really in a hurry, 
that's when the keys are not there and like oh they did get left in my jeans pockets which then went into the laundry pile and i just couldn't sure. find them right there's a way in which the universe has you know like it's like a trickster god <laughs> mm-hmm. right who's just waiting low key yeah low key hides the keys <laughs> that's exactly right, right. That's, that's what it means. yeah it's just waiting like oh I know tomorrow he's really going to need those keys. Let me just take them off the hook and put them in his pocket and put it in the laundry. <laughs> Did you get them engraved, the air tags? Yeah, I figured that that was a necessary feature to get them engraved. Good. It really is. They look terrible without the engraving, I think. It's so plain. I like it. I we got one with my initials on it. I got the nice little brown key ring. I think it's like a very handsome key ring. And also, do you remember how the iPod Nanos used to get all beat up, like all scuffed? Mm-hmm. That's what happens to these. And I actually really like that look. Hmm. Okay. Because it's just polished aluminium, right, on the back. So it just gets scratched up to high heaven. Yeah. And I just think it looks very nice. Like, I actually kind of like the aesthetic. It's, it feels nostalgic for me. I literally haven't even touched them. My wife just happened to be opening the box as I was coming in to record the Cortex podcast, so I saw them briefly. But I, I did think, oh, they seem bigger. This is one of the rare times where I thought, I wish Apple didn't go with a replaceable battery and had some weird wireless oh charging thing. Like, please. No. They just seem like they're a little too big and annoying, but I don't know. Do you disagree with me on that? Why are you saying, oh my God? Because if they didn't do the replaceable battery, it was going to cost like $30 a year or whatever for these things. I'll say as well, I wondered if they were maybe a bit too big, but I actually really like the size on my key ring. It's Mm. just nice and easy to grab. I'm sending you uh, an iMessage picture now so you can see just how dinged up mine is already. I think it looks fantastic. I I love the look of it. Well, that is very dinged up. But how long have you had this? Like a week? A couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, my keys are constantly smashing into this thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's why this is happening. Right. Because the thing that is touching them is sharp pieces of metal. Right, of course. Okay. But I just think it looks really cool. Okay. All right. Well, well, I'll see. Let's close this bracket and get back to one last Ask Cortex. Which one? I'll just do a quick update here. Michael has asked about how I gave up breakfast and then noted that many episodes ago, I mentioned that I was also conducting a war on lunch. And hey, how's that going? Yep. The answer is I completely lost the war on lunch and totally failed at the time that I was trying to do it. But I am once again taking on the war on lunch. Like I have not I have not completely given up this project. I put it aside for several months and it has been reinvigorated in the last week to make an attempt to get rid of lunch. So so far it's going better than last time. I suspect this might be like how it went with the war on breakfast where it took me a couple of goes to really make it work and so now i'm trying take two on the war on lunch so i'll keep you posted i actually just want to reference one last question before we finish today which is quentin's question which is does it feel like it's been more than five years already which is i assume in reference to how long we've been recording this show i merely want to mention this because between now and our next episode we've been recording this show for six years don't tell me that mike don't tell me that. I just wanted to let you know. Thanks. Getmortex.com. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> what, what, what was the line? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> All of this and more text? Was that it? All of this and more text. At getmortex.com. Play the trailer. Quiet on set. <laughs> 
Our story begins with three mild-mannered podcasters heading out for a beverage at the local tavern. Little do these three know that they are not about to enter the familiar doors of the old Badger and Thistle, but are about to be whisked across time and space. Probably going to need to have some uh, ID if you're looking to get far in this world. Spit, my friends, they're without proper identification, you know. Where can I help them get some ID? Sounds like you need to go to the Department of Misplaced Persons. So, I'm going to apply the Newton effect, my special shtick, and I'm going to try to make the infinity of this building drop away to something that would be actually in a building. Alright, suddenly it is like an earthquake. A great trembling. All the rats look up and giant kind of steel girders erupt from the ground. The ceiling seems to kind of lower as the girders rise to meet it. From the horizon, walls start to close in, but it's like a tsunami of architecture. Wait a second, everyone. Jason just changed the freaking world. (laughs) Like, the whole world rotated around us. Obviously, this is some kind of simulation that we're living in, and or Jason is a god. Look, we're not getting anywhere without our phones, That's so I'm going to happily insert my phone into the mysterious space slot. You insert your phone into the mysterious space slot, it makes some sounds kind of like a 1960s computer, and then a panel on the front of the dispensing machine opens up, and a little display prompts you to put your hand into that slot. <laughs> Sure. I'm ha- you know what? We're not getting anywhere without phones, so yes, I, w- I will yep. do whatever the machine wants. A little shield drops down with a little circle kind of holding your wrist in place, and then there's a sound, kind of like a giant stapler. Your hand is warm. Your phone seems to be now somewhat embedded in your hand. Can you just remind the listeners what the John Doe effect does? It says that I have one of those faces where people constantly think they recognize me as an old co-worker or long-lost cousin, childhood friend, etc. You may also be mistaken for someone who owes money slash is wanted dead or alive, etc. Hey, Calvin, it's me! Oh, right, hi! The large orangutan person kind of bolts up from the bench, sending the bench kind of shifting back. A large orangutan person has grabbed both of your arms and is attempting to pull them off of your body. Let's just make a quick strength check here. I rolled a six, so six plus four is ten, which is not enough. I am going to tell you that you are going to take three points of damage. Your arm is really badly hurt and you are not feeling great the horrible orangutan thing is kind of growling in your face you are drawing the attention of several rats when the seam on your voluminous pocket gives out and cheese starts pouring out of a hole in your jumpsuit onto the floor of the office. Several rats are giving you scandalous looks, Jason. I pretend like nothing has happened and continue moving toward the mailroom, wheeling my bucket. Will our heroes ever get the documents that they need to return to their normal lives? Will Jason stop tormenting space rats? Will Gray's arm heal? Or do worse things lie ahead for him? Find out by going to getmortex.com and sign up today.